everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And we're so excited about our guest today. We have a great guest for you. But before we get into it, today's episode is brought to you by Knight, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow and now our favorite face mask. So we'll tell you more about it later in the episode. But if you'd like to take 20% off your order, you can use code BOP20 at discoverknight.com. You sure can. Can't recommend the mask enough. I was just at the hair salon and I was there for four hours and I had to wear the face mask. And I swear it makes it so much more manageable because wearing a face mask for that long is not really that enjoyable. Save it for the ad, Grace. I know. I will. But I wanted to say that. Before we get into our interview with Tracy, who is the host of the Stacks podcast, let's catch up. Tell me your your high. I really want to be friends with Tracy. I know, but we don't live in the same city. I know. And we can't go anywhere. (laughs) I loved her so much. Like, we had such a good conversation. So my high, besides Tracy, I have a lot of highs to share. Wow. Um, I got to work with Duncan again. They hired me to announce their cereals launch, which was amazing. Do you remember when they used to ignore you? You've come so far. I've come so far. I will say that the project was through Post Cereals, who knows that I'm a Duncan fan. Um, It was not actually with Duncan. But I, I'll take what I can get. Like, Duncan, I love you. All I want is to be your spokesperson. So that was a high. Okay. Um, the next high is that this week we are finalizing my collection with Amazon The Drop. Like, it's moving so fast. I've been seeing the previews that you've been posting on your Instagram. It looks very cute. It's so cute. We're going to have fall nightgowns. But I think what one of the things I'm actually most excited about was remember how you asked me if we'd have a jacket? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't think they have, like, the capability. So I kind of was just like, I'd really like to maybe do, like, a lightweight kind of, like, duster trench coat. And we were like, let's just see what happens. And we're going to sample one. So I don't know if it'll make the cut. Like, obviously, I'm really fussy about what the final lineup is. And it can only be about eight pieces total. Like, this is just part of their their plan. But the the silhouette that we have, I'm obsessed with. And it would be in this rich, like, um, like nutmeg color that I'm obsessed with. Ooh. So that was really fun. Um, the other thing was I went to a restaurant called Pilot um, in Brooklyn. It's like it's on one of the piers. I'm not sure which one. If you Google Pilot at Brooklyn, it pops up. It's this little tiny boat, kind of like Grand Banks. My friend Emily and I went there for drinks and dinner and it was so good. And I felt like I was on vacation being there. It was wonderful. Um, And then the last thing was today I got a keratin treatment, which like I used to get one like like maybe three times a year. And I was kind of like, I don't really need this, blah, 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 blah. It's time consuming. Um, But with quarantine and also the fact that like I just don't feel comfortable like going to the salon once a week for a blowout, I have just had my hair in a bun every day. And so I got a keratin treatment today. And when I have the keratin treatment, I can air dry my hair. And it's like easy. It just like dries with like a little bit of wave and no frizz. It's the best thing ever. So wait, you went from being low-key depressed to having four highs. Does this mean you're feeling more Um, yourself? Feeling better? A little. It's been – I think I'm trying to be positive and just trying to dig myself out of this. Um, I'm still not feeling great. I was feeling more myself yesterday and then something weird happened, which you know what that is. Um, And I was like a little bit depressed again. (laughs) But I'm feeling – I'm definitely feeling um, mostly better. That four high life. I know. I know. I mean, two of them are work-related. But yeah, 
things yeah. are things are definitely getting a little better and i'm just trying to be positive and like dig myself out of this hole i've been in because it's been like a month-long hole and i'm like just over feeling like shit yeah yeah how about you okay so i have two and they are both work related first one is that i signed a contract for a project in September, and now I have work through the end of the year, so I don't need to stress. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I know. I'm very excited. I'm very relieved. Um, who is it? Um, it's a company called Policy Genius. It's an insurance company. Oh, cool. Yeah. So working with them on some TV commercials. So I'm very excited about that. The second thing is that over the past two weeks, we've had our draft of Rom-Com Pods Season 2 out to friends for feedback, and We've kind of had this like suspicion in our head that we're like, season two is better than season one. And everyone has been getting back to us and we're like, but maybe we're just excited about it because like we're working on it. It's fresh. It's new. And it's everyone like, agrees with us. It's, it is. I'm not done with it because I'm a, a slacker, depressed friend, but I love it so far. I'm about 65 pages into your script. I'm going to finish the rest probably tonight. Okay. And it's so good. I feel like it – I don't want to diminish all the work you did on the first one because the first one was amazing. But it really is. Like, it's so much better. It's so much better, which makes me excited because if people already liked season one, then I hope that season two, like – It's also super timely. Like, it's yeah. just – you guys, I think it's a home run. I'm so excited. Yeah. So we're recording next week. I can't believe how fast this is all happening. But um, I'm just excited – to get other people's feedback because sometimes I feel like I'm like in a bubble and and I don't know like you know sometimes you're so excited about something and then you like put it away for a couple weeks and you're like wasn't that good yes so it it kind of is nice to get other people's feedback because we don't have time to put it away for a couple weeks just to be like is this good or are we crazy yeah no it's very good so that's been exciting yeah can I tell you about my low though yes okay I am blacklisted at USPS. And I'm not Are you though like I was years ago, like a couple years ago? Not for the same reason. So, a couple years ago Grace was mean to her mail carrier and she got blacklisted from No, USPS. what happened was I, you can't say that. I need to clarify. What happened was I live on the ground floor. I have my own entrance um and USPS guy would bang like it was a police raid. So, it was very jarring, and I think I said, like, please don't – like, I, I definitely yelled because I was freaked out, and then he decided he was no longer going to deliver packages to me, and I had to get them all at the post office, which was awful. So anyway, what happened? What has happened to me is that all of my mail keeps getting returned to sender, and I know this because every check that I am supposed to be getting from clients has gotten returned to sender. What's happening? I don't know. It has a sticker on it that says, like – not deliverable as addressed, even though it's addressed correctly. And I can't figure out what's happening, but I don't know. So I put in an inquiry with the post office and it says they'll get back to you in a day, which they absolutely have not. Oh, no, it's going to be like a month. So I don't really know what to do and I don't know what's wrong. And also, I would like to get paid so that I can pay my rent, do things. Oh, my God. So, I, yeah, I don't know. The only thing I can think of is... So Grace and I live in the same building and the people who live, there's four units and the people who live in the third unit, it's so it's me, Grace, our friend Alex, and then strangers. Strangers moved out and I'm like, did they forward their mail and it somehow got applied to my apartment and not theirs? Or oh, like, no. but it's been happening for a while. Or I'm like, Levi, who used to live in my apartment, moved back to Australia. I'm like, 
did it somehow because of him? I don't know. I can't figure it out, but I can't. I don't know how to fix it. I would like my mail. Oh, my God. That's terrible. It's not good. And also, like, I, you know what I should do? I feel like I just need to put a post-it note on the mailbox. It's like, mail carrier, please ring my doorbell so we can talk. Yeah, that's what I would – I would, like, try and um, – when that happened to me, I would, like, sit by the window and, like, wait for the post office the, – the mail carrier to come and so that I could try and talk to them and be like, you can bring my packages. But I never could catch them. I know. You're going to have to sit on the stoop. So hot out. It usually comes between like 11 and 2. That's three hours you're going to have to sit outside. No. I'm just going to put a a post-it on there and see if they'll ring my doorbell when they come so I can talk to them. Yeah. What's your low? My low is my air conditioner is a nightmare. It is like spitting the water out onto my floor instead of out the window. And I don't know how to fix it. I think the solution is to buy a new one. I do too, but I don't really want to um, because it's expensive. And air conditioner is like a hundred bucks. And then also the installation is complicated because it's like an old window and the, there's bars, and it um it doesn't f- like fit. So I had to Levi helped me, our old neighbor, like by putting like he like made this whole little plastic thing to go around it. Pay a task rabbit. Yeah, this seems like a solvable problem. I watch not to like. Fast forward in the episode, but when we recorded this episode with Tracy, the interview part, I watched you buy $200 of books last night. I did because I need them, but I don't really, well, I guess I do need an air conditioner. <laughs> it's just going to be a pain to, to get it in and take it out, but I guess don't I Don't do just, it. Just pay a task rabbit and just leave the thing in the box and they'll, they'll deal with it. Yeah, you're right. I just feel Look, like- Look, I solved it. You solved it, but I feel like maybe there's a something wrong with it that I could fix that could make it not drip all over my floor. So I love you. And I say this with the utmost love. But if you are concerned about replacing it, I cannot imagine that you are going to be able to fix it. No, probably not. (laughs) I was shaking it like I was pushing it. And I thought maybe if I pushed it out, the water would go out and not in my apartment. No. No. (laughs) Okay. I took the filter out. I took the whole cover off and like washed it and then like brushed the filter off and like got all the dust off. I don't know what to do. This seems like a $200 problem to solve. Yeah, you're right. It's actually like three or $400 because I looked at – because it's the big one. We, I need the big one for the living room. Is it because you want that stupid fancy one that's like the beautiful I millennial? I want that one so badly. Just buy dumb so Home Depot one. It's an air conditioner called July, you guys. And there's also a company called Windmill. And I reached out to both of them for my vlog and was like, hi, I'd love to work with you. They were both really, really nice. But they're like, sorry, we have so much demand that we're not doing any marketing efforts. <laughs> Do you want me to like email your mom and your sister and we can all chip in and get it for you for your birthday no i'll just get one okay it just feels wasteful too like i've only had it for like three and a half years yeah the alternative would be being really hot and like yeah or and having a really wet floor it is so funny to see you being cheap about this versus like i this podcast that I listened to called The Financial Diaries, one of her questions for every guest is like, what are you cheap about and what do you spend money on? And so I always think about like the things that I'm cheap about versus like things that I literally don't care. And it's so funny that like this is the hill you're going to die on is the air conditioner. Yeah, I guess I'm going to get a new one. But <laughs> um, it just, it's just annoying. 
I'm sorry. Oh, you know what was really funny? It was the other night. Tyrion came into my bed and he was, it was before I knew what was happening out here. (laughs) He came in the bed and he was soaking wet. Oh, he must not have been happy. And I was like, what happened to you? Like his, just his paws because he had walked through it and his tail. And like he drinks out of the toilet. So that was my first hunch. But like his back legs had water on them too. And I was like, did you go completely in the toilet? And then I woke up the next day and I was like, oh, no, you went for a swim in the puddle <laughs> on my floor. We've been talking about this for way too long. I'm sorry. Should we get into the interview? Yes. Tracy Thomas is the host of The Stacks, a podcast about books and reading where she interviews authors, actors, politicians, and more about their love of books and how those books relate to the world we live in. Tracy lives in LA with her husband and twin sons, and we are so excited to have her on the podcast tonight. We are... um recording remotely via Zoom. Um, Welcome, Tracy. Oh my gosh. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I always feel so awkward whenever my bio is read out loud. I'm like, this is so like, I feel so formal. Oh my God. Same. But it's worse when somebody asks you to explain yourself. Like when somebody's like, can you introduce yourself? I'm like, I'm Becca. I like things. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a little awkward, especially when you have to say nice things about yourself or be like self-promotional. I know. But Tracy, we're so excited you're here. So we introduced you, but now we're going to do the thing that I just said I hate. So can you tell us a little (laughs) bit about yourself in your own words and who you are? Tell us about your podcast. Tell us about how it got started. Like, Give us the deeper scoop. Sure. I'm so bad. I'm so bad at this. So um, I'm Tracy. I am from California. I live in LA now. I had a stint in New York. I went to college out there. And so I was there for a while, came back to California. I'm from the Bay Area, but I now live in LA. And I worked as a spin instructor and I've always loved books. And long story short, I just felt like there wasn't a book podcast that was talking about what I wanted to be talking about in the ways that I wanted to be talking about it. And so I started the stacks and <laughs> you know, as one does, you decide you're going to do something and you put about, I don't know, a fraction of the thought into what it's going to be. And now two and almost two and a half years later, I have this podcast that is actually like a thing in the world as opposed to like a thing that I forced my mom and my best (laughs) friend to like listen to and download. So, you know, it's great. It's also super weird, but that's kind of how I got here in a super, super nutshell. When did you start it? Oh, God. April 2018. Okay. So we started around the same time. Yeah. We started in March. We're like yeah. podcast podcast siblings. Birthday twins. I noticed yeah. that because I believe one of your recent episodes was episode 122. And my episode that comes out tomorrow is 122. Oh, I so love I saw, that. I was like, oh, we're very close yeah. in podcast age. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> and so wait, you started the podcast. Did you start it with the Lady Gang Network or did you start it independently? No. So I started all by myself. Um, I created the show and was like, I'm just going to do this thing. And so, you know, I remember the first episode, like the first day I got like 200 downloads and I thought like, holy shit, like I only told a hundred people about it. So a (laughs) hundred people found me on their own. You know, like I was like freaking out. Um, And I did the show for a little bit over a year and I'm very good friends with Becca Tobin, who is one of the members of the Lady Gang. And she and I have been friends since we were 18. She's one of my first friends as an adult, like someone that I met when I lived in New York. And she was like, we're, you know, thinking of expanding and like doing a network. Would you be interested? And I was like, yeah, hello. Um, So that happened a little bit over a year. It was like May 2019. 
So okay. I did the independent thing and then I'm with Lady Gang, which is on podcast one. So it's kind of a weird, like I describe it to people like Freeform is an ABC channel, you know, it's like ABC yeah. family. So Lady Gang is like ABC family and Freeform and, and ABC is like podcast one. Got so it. I'm just like a show on that, if that makes sense. Yeah. So just brace yourself. We have a lot of reading questions for you, like okay. a lot, a lot. And I think we have a lot to bond over because... Well, we have to talk about Anna Kay, but we'll get to that because okay. Tracy recently did an episode where her husband interviewed her and it's a great episode. Everyone should listen to it. But we have a lot of the same taste in books and also just like I think we're going to have a lot to talk about. But our listeners had so many questions for you about books. Guys, I'm nervous. Okay. Am I going to get kicked out of this interview because I didn't like Anna Kay that much? Yeah. You might. I don't oh, know. You've been replaced. Yeah, you sorry. are now the host of the Stacks, and I am now on, on paper. <laughs> yeah, shit. We're Stacks on paper is our new podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you're out. Yeah, sorry, you're gone. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, Tracy, how do you narrow down your book club picks? This is something that intrigued us as well because you know we and there's two of us, so we const- we were like in a big fight over what our August book was going to be. Not really, but like we were, like it's like a pretend fight. fight. That's usually how it is. It's like whoever has the strongest opinion gets to pick the book. Yeah. Well, how do you guys do it? I want to hear that first. I know. I, so There's, I know that I know that I'm supposed to be answering questions, but <laughs> the podcast host in me is going to be nosy because I like to know these things. So sorry if you guys thought you were going to learn about me, actually <laughs> learn about Becca and Grace, and this was all a trick. It's, there's not a science to it. I mean, sometimes we're, we're just like really excited about a book for like months and months in advance. And we're like, we can't wait until this month because we're going to talk about this book. And other months we're like, the month before starts and we're like, oh, crap, we don't have any ideas. And so we, you know, we'll, we'll kind of look on, usually I look on Goodreads and you can see the new releases for a month and you can see it for the future. So we'll look through like what's coming out in that month or the month prior and like what sounds interesting. We'll call in books if we haven't received them and like screen them. And usually we'll kind of like narrow it down to something that like both of us like. But sometimes like last month, we both independently read different books. We were screening and we like Grace read one book and I read a different book. And we were both like, it needs to be my book without having read the other person's book. Yeah. (laughs) And so we were like fighting about it. But then we we flopped and we... We agreed once we'd both read We read both the books and we were like, oh yeah, okay. We agree. What about you? I love that. So the way that I do it is because I have a guest that I do it with and every month that's a different person. Yeah. I usually when I'm finding, I'm more interested in finding the guest than I am in the book because I totally believe that the book, even if it's bad or like something that I don't like, A, other people are going to like it and B, if the guest is interested in it and I can like stomach it, then we're going to have a good conversation either way. So like we don't, I'm not in the like, Oprah book club world where it's like she always picks a book that she's read and like loves and she's so excited (laughs) for you to read it. You know, like I'm not doing that. Um, So for me, what I do is when I, I'm more interested in the guest. So if I can book someone that I'm excited about, once we decide we're going to do it, I say, all we have to do is come up with a book we want to read together. And sometimes So, and then I say, send me some things you're interested in. So they might send me three to five books. Sometimes it's books they've read. Sometimes it's a mix of books they haven't read and they have read. Um, The only real rule is that it's got to be something that's been out in the world for at least a month or two, because I want it to be easy for readers to get their hands on, especially if they're library users. Um, But other than that, it can be a back and forth email conversation between myself and the guests that's like, oh, 
we should do this. And then they send me some titles and I'm like, Ooh, how about some, like, sometimes I send back, this is kind of what I'm hearing you say you're interested in. Um, I'm very cognizant of the author of the book that we pick. Like I try to have a diverse range of authors, um, you know, whatever their experience is. I try not to do two books that are similar back to back. Um, we've never repeated an author except for Toni Morrison. Um, and we do one Toni Morrison a year. So this book episode comes out in August, right? Mm-hmm. So our August book is Sula by Toni Morrison. So that's our third Toni Morrison pick. But otherwise, um, we don't really repeat. And then it's sort of like whatever feels right and feels good. And I've only ever once changed the book after deciding on it. And that was this July pick with KSA Lehman. Originally, we were going to do Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. And then I heard him doing an Instagram or Zoom chat with uh, Imani Perry about her book, Breathe. And I was like, fuck it, we have to do Breathe. <laughs> And so I emailed him and I was like, do you want to do breathe? And he was like, I would love that. And so it just worked out and it was amazing. That's amazing. So wait, how would you define your reading preferences, like your reading genre? Not <laughs> um, your book, I like but you. Me, I like nonfiction, investigative journalism. I like books about cults, murder, um, history, but more wait, recent Tracy, history. Wait, you said you don't, like bu- you don't like thrillers, but you like murder? Because I, lo- I like murder. True. I oh. like true stories. Oh, so like, okay. I like like Columbine is a book I love. Yeah. Um, um, I love John Krakauer stuff. He's got the book Under the Banner of Heaven that I love, which is about a murder. I love books about like Jonestown. Um, I like books about war, like m- like modern war. Um, so I like the Good Soldiers. I like Black Hearts. I like I like books about kind of like the psychology of soldiers um so you're kind of a dad reader i'm a total dad reader but i've stopped using that terminology because we have I guests felt- on and you can't insult them no i'm just i'm you I'm just called our guests a dad no i used to call my i used to be like oh i totally read like a dad and then i started thinking about it and i was like that feels really like limiting because i'm sure there are other women young women yes. youngish women yeah. who read like me and like i don't know i shouldn't have to feel you know so i stopped using it but i t- <laughs> i did a whole episode with ann bogle where i was like i read like a dad um but i i guess i do one of my best like friends memoir. has the same taste as you and our our friend lydia Whenever they have a dad title coming out, she sends it to her. She's like, if it's something I would send it to my dad, I also send it to Elizabeth. That is so funny. Yeah, Uh, that's me. I totally would like a dad. I do like memoir um, and I like essay collections. mm -hmm. I I, I just like a lot of nonfiction, honestly. Fiction is a struggle for me. So where does the Anna Kay of this fit in? Yeah, that's why I'm so intrigued. Is this an oddball choice for you or do you have like a secret penchant for YA romance? She likes Gossip Girl. I love Gossip Girl. That's Me too. it. I love Gossip Girl. Like it's super entertaining. It moves. It's fast. I love plot. If I'm going to read fiction and there's no plot, like I cannot do it. If it's like moody characters, I, I it's just, it's going to be two stars for me. Like if there's nothing <laughs> that happens, like I don't like you. I don't care about you. I need a, I need a beginning, a middle and an end. And Anna Kay had that. It was strong, just. And I love Gossip Girl. I love rich kids. I love like kids having sex. I don't know. Is that creepy? No, it's not. Grace and I define the Venn diagram of our reading tastes as rich, unsupervised teenagers. Like yeah. that's the that's the center yeah. of the Venn diagram for us. That's like she the wants only them to fall in love, and I want them to like kill each other. Yes, yes. And in yes, yes. a lot and of YA books, that you can have both. Yes, you can. 
You yeah. Sure and know. Anna Kay kind of has sex and kill and all that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Not really. But yeah, Anna, I, Anna Kay worked for me. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. I really wanted to have a book club around Anna Kay, but we didn't ever get we didn't ever get to that. We had some other book that must have come out that was more important to us, I guess. I don't know. I loved it, though. <sighs> I didn't yeah, love it that much. It what didn't you like about it? You know, this sounds so weird because I'm not it's, a prude whatsoever. And Anna Kay is my genre. Like, that is very squarely in the genre of things I like. I was like, all of these kids were like, doing too many drugs, having too much sex. Like I was like, <laughs> I was a little pearl clutchy about it, which is not me whatsoever. Not it her. just I don't felt understand. gratuitous in a way. Yeah. Like I've endorsed a book about a teen stripper. Like I have no idea why this got me, but I was like, oh God, like I don't need to read That's about exactly any more teenagers doing it. ecstasy. Yeah. She was like texting me while we were reading it and she's like, they're doing a lot of drugs. And I was like, Becca, like, why is this bothering you? Like, we're not big drug doers, but I like reading about people doing drugs. Like, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I was, that's what I was there for. I think also for me, I have to be hundred percent honest. I, if I read a book and I think it's going to be not very good and it surprises me, I love it even more. True. You know? yes. True. So like for Anna Kay is pretty much the last book that I think anyone who knows my reading taste would ever recommend to me. But the reason I picked it up is that at the start of COVID, I was doing these stacks corn tours where I was doing Instagram lives with authors before people had like figured it out. It was like week one, I started doing them and Jenny Lee was the first person who was interested. And so I was like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so I read the book in preparation and I was like, I'm just, I had told every author, I'm not going to be able to read all of your books. I was doing like one or two a week, yeah. but I wanted to still give them time because these are books that had been just coming out at the start of COVID. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to finish this book. It's super long. Like, this is going to be my nightmare. Like, <laughs> And then I was like, two days later, like, Jenny, your book's amazing. Welcome to the Sex Corn Tour. Like, I'm so <laughs> happy you're here. Like, this is the best book I've ever read. And so I think the surprise of it also really enhanced it for me. That's something we talk about a lot because for our last book club, we read The Vanishing Half, which I read mm. it like the day it came out and Becca waited. But like there's been so much hype around that book. Um, I was like, this is the best one of the best books I've read all year, blah, 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 blah. And after all that hype, Becca was like, it was fine. I liked it. I just I went into it with very high expectations. Yeah. Yeah. I read it very early. I read it months ago and I was super high on it but I also I the first half of the book for me was so good of the thank you half. that is exactly but what I thought it sort of fizzled for me like even yes. when I reviewed it like I thought it was really good I think the writing is great I think Britt Bennett is such a talent and I'm so excited totally. to see what she does next same um and I and I really enjoyed her and I guess you know, this is not news now, but it's news to you guys that my guest in August is Britt Bennett. So she oh, and I amazing. are doing Sula together, which is super exciting because those books are definitely connected. Um, and I love talking to her and I thought she was great. But for me, I mean, I don't know if you guys have read The Mothers, but The Mothers was sort of a little more teen drama-y. And I also really like The Mothers. And but The Vanishing Half, I like when I started it, I was like, oh my God, everybody read this book. It's incredible. And I think I like posted on my social media, like I just started this book. It's so good. But by the end, I was sort of like, okay. Yes. But I really liked it. That's not a pan at all because people, do you guys find that people, like you say one critical thing about a book and people are like, she hated that book. Like I'm not yeah. going to read it anymore. And I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just a critical person. Sometimes, but I also think it's good to 
talk negatively about books, don't tag the author. Like, don't yeah. say it to the author's face. But <laughs> I feel like sometimes in the bookstagram community, everyone's like, this book is amazing. And then you read it and you're like, it's fine at best. And it like everyone has their own taste. So maybe they truly did think that. But I feel like there's like so many inflated reviews that I really appreciate it when somebody gives me like an honest take. Oh, well, I'm definitely very honest about the books that I read, but I just sometimes feel like if I have anything critical to say, people take that as like, she hated it or I'm not going to read that book. And I'm like, first of all, if it's fiction, take everything I've said with a grain of salt because I actively don't like fiction. Right. So like if like people know if I give like on Goodreads four stars to a fiction book that if you like fiction, it's probably like eight stars. <laughs> but for me, it's like, oh, like I think I was looking at my Goodreads recently. I think I've given like four books, five stars that oh my were fiction in the, last, oh, wow. like, in the last like three years. I just, it doesn't work for me. I always am over it or like under it or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, sweet. We were talking about COVID reading or COVID yes. in general. Have you yeah. found yourself in a reading slump? What's oh been God, your yes. approach to COVID reading? Okay. Such a reading slump. It's been a nightmare. Um, I've been doing my best reading in the bathtub. Ooh. Oh, I love a bath book. Yeah. Yeah. Separate from my phone, just in the tub. You know, I have newborn, not newborn, I guess they're seven months old, but I have twins. So I look at a lot of alone time in general. And so being in the tub is like no babies in the tub with mommy. Um, so that helps. Um, but I, I, Anna Kay was a good COVID book because it was really light, fast moving. I think if it's not keeping my attention, it, like if it's slow, I've been struggling, but I've also not been picking up books that might be heavier or slower or like some of my more intense nonfiction mm-hmm. that I normally would read because yeah. I just don't have the the attention for it. Same. I got the new um, oh, The Splendid and the Vile by Eric Larson and he's one mm. of my absolute favorite authors, but I keep picking it up and it, if I need to fall asleep, like that's what I should just read because yeah. I will read less than 10 pages and just be out and I cannot – it's like breaking my heart because all I want is to like be able to focus and read this book and I just can't. Yeah, I have it too, but it's not really calling my name to be honest. It's like a really good paperweight. It's very heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. I think I gave it to some dad that I know. <laughs> so where do you find your book recommendations? I mean, a lot of it is bookstagram. So I have like a like a crew of bookstagrammers that I love and follow who know my opinion and or who know my taste and I know their taste and I can kind of rely on them. Um, also, a lot of authors when they come on the show give great recommendations. So I had KSA Lehman on not too long ago and his recommendations were incredible. So I was just like, as he's talking, like taking notes, like, okay, let me add all these and reach <laughs> out and see if I can get copies of this. Um, I have the New York Times. I get the New York Times on Sunday. So I look through the book review, though. I think it's a little stuffy. Um, there was something podcasts. you said on one of your podcasts when you were talking about starting your own podcast and you were talking about, it might've been New York times. It was something and you were like, and it was this, everything was just like so elitist and talking about these things. And I just wanted to start a podcast where we could just talk about these books, like normal people. And that really like resonated with me. Cause I feel like we felt the same way when we started ours. Well, we also wanted to talk about trash that the we New did. York times is we not didn't. reviewing. The New York times was certainly not, but we wanted to have like a non stuffy place to talk about books. Yeah, that's totally true. I think that, I think it was the New Yorker to be fair. Cause I feel like the New Yorker like extra stuffy, yeah. but it was something like that. I can't remember what it was. It was for the book that I was talking about was Blood in the Water, which is a yes. favorite, um, but I couldn't find people talking about it, like normal people, but not like 
I don't know. It was just, it was, it was a, tr- it was trick, tricky. And I love podcasts. I've been, I was an early adopter on listening to podcasts, like pre serial. I was been listening to podcasts, oh, wow. which I know, I know for a lot of people, serial, I think 2014 was their entry point. And I started listening to podcasts in 2010 or 11. So when people were like, oh, there's this podcast coming out, and everyone was like, what's a podcast? I was like, it's on your phone. It's a little purple <laughs> square. It lives there. You just click on it. <laughs> um, and so I was like, let me go see if I can find podcasts about books. And so, you know, as these things happen, the New York Times and the New Yorker and all these publications that are super smart and I like and I listen to, but aren't necessarily fun to listen to or like super enjoyable. It's sometimes like take your medicine. Yeah. Like I'm interested in what the author has to say. I also, I mean, this, I don't, this is not to be rude. And I, and again, I listen to a lot of podcasts that are stuffy in my taste, but I also find that kind of pretension to be super off-putting. Um, and I also don't find that the questions are very creative or insightful. I don't feel like the hosts often are asking questions that are 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 as smart as they're pretending to be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. if it was agree. like a really great, smart, thoughtful, nuanced conversation and it was a little pretentious, I think I would could really get into it. But there's something about, you know, the seriousness of some of these podcasts and book people that I find to be really false. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a quick break to talk about night. So you know we're obsessed. We love the pillow. We love the eye mask for sleeping. We love the gold face masks. We are obsessed with their scrunchies. Legit, everything they do is great. The brand was founded on using materials that combine efficacy with beauty benefits. So, of course, their face masks are amazing. So I have two, and they're the only ones I wear these days. They're just so much better than all my other masks. So I feel like I one of the questions I get asked when I do my little Q&As on Instagram and also just people complaining in general, everyone is complaining about mask knee. And if you want to feel really smug, you can completely just nip that issue in the bud with the night mask. Um, It's super breathable. It's made out of 100% silk, um, which is, again, it's very breathable, but it's also still protective and super, super skin friendly. Since we're all going to be masked up for the foreseeable future, I think it makes sense to invest in a good one. So we've already covered that this one won't irritate your skin, but it also has adjustable ear loops to ensure a snug fit and a nose clip so that you don't fog up your sunglasses with your breath. It's so smart. So smart. And it's cute because, I mean, let's be honest, if it was not cute but effective, I probably wouldn't want to wear it. Um, this one is amazing. It comes in five cute colors. We both got the blush to start and then we both got the emerald green, which if you guys know me, it's my favorite color. Um, so I'm absolutely obsessed with that one. But besides the pink and the green, they also come in tan, black and gunmetal. Lastly, Knight is a female-owned small business, and lately I've been trying to be way more conscious about where I spend my dollars. And I love that for every mask purchased, they're donating five surgical masks to healthcare workers on the front line of the COVID response, and they've already donated 10,000 masks and counting. Yes. So if you want to grab a mask of your own, head to discoverknight.com, use code BOP20 to take 20% off your order. The code also works with anything on their site. So if you're looking to make your home comfier, you can grab one of their signature pillows. You could grab one of their um, sleep eye masks. They, you could grab one of their beautiful, amazing 
sheet masks, which has gold in it. It makes you glow like an angel. Um, but again, all of that is 20% off at discovernight.com with code BOP20. Now back to the episode. All right. I want to get into some recs. Will you tell okay. me your top three favorite books of 2020 so far? Okay. twenty Top top three books that I've read in 2020 or top three books that have been published in 2020? Ooh, good question. I think that you've read in 2020. Yeah, what you've read. Okay. So a book that just got published today on recording day is called Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethaway. And it's her memoir. And it's incredible. She is um, mixed. She's black and white. And her mother was murdered when she was 19 by her by the mother's ex-husband. And I added um, this to my cart right now. Book it's shop. incredible. It's Natasha Trethaway uh, won the Pulitzer Prize for Poetry, I think in like 2007. She was the poet laureate at least once, possibly twice in oh, America. Wow. Um, she's a very, very like lauded poet. And this memoir is incredible. Um, it's just so moving. The first part of the memoir is good. Like if it was just the first half, you'd be like, this is a good memoir. But the second half is like, I was having visceral, like take your breath away, like crying, like overcome, like, you know, that feeling when you want to cry, but nothing's coming out because mm-hmm. you're like stressed almost. It's like that. Ooh. And obviously, I mean, this is a story about a ex-husband that murders his ex-wife. So, you know, domestic violence, mental abuse, like there's all those trigger warnings. She handles it really well. She does. It's not, doesn't feel exploitative at all. Like it doesn't, I I have, that's not my experience. So I can't speak for people who've experienced that, but I don't feel like it is gratuitous. So if that's something that's concerning to you, just, I, I think you'll be okay, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that book I loved. And then God, these books are both a little backlist and uh, not a little back. Well, one is a lot backlist. That's so okay. I just read Sula for the first time for the stacks and it's incredible. Holy shit. I mean, I know that people love Toni Morrison and I've read two of her books before this one. This is my third, but I mean, she snapped with this book. It's incredible. <laughs> it is so good. I don't even like just read it. Oh, Give us my the God. quick pitch plot summary. It's so good. Um, that's, the, that's the pitch. It's fiction that I love this much, so read it. But um, two friends in Ohio. It's about it's about female friendship. I don't okay. know. It's Sula. It's just a classic. Just trust me that it's amazing. And from page one, I was in, which is so rare. I was hooked. Okay. And then the last one is also was our July book club pick, which and I never like our book club picks this much, but. We're on a we're on a hot streak. Um, is Breathe by Imani Perry. Uh, it came out in 2019, towards the end. So it's almost like a 2020 book. It's a letter to her sons. Um, so it's an epistolary nonfiction. And it's, it's she's black. It's about being black in America. And it's sort of, if you're familiar with Between the World and Me by Tanasi Coates, it's sort of a companion piece to that, though I think this is slightly better. Um, it's more recent, so it is takes other things into account, but I also feel like it's more intersectional. She's doing some really beautiful things with her writing as well as the history. Um, I don't know that I, I don't know that, I don't know that either one's better, but I think if you read Between the World and Me, you should definitely read this book. I'm surprised this book didn't get more attention when it came out. I'm surprised that this book doesn't get more attention day in and day out, especially in this moment, but it's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Okay, now what about – so by the way, I have literally my bookshop.org page open and I just added all three of those to my cart. Okay, great, so great, great. very excited. But give us more, Rex. What are your top three books ever? 
That's okay. so hard. This was really I know. I wouldn't hard. know what I, my answer would be. <laughs> I've been thinking. Okay. So one of them is a throwback old school. This is kind of cheating, but my favorite book as a kid was Charlotte's Web and I still love Charlotte's Web and I think it's a beautiful story. Um, if you don't know, it's about a pig and a spider. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic. It's a classic. Okay. Then the other one. I was I love... on Edith in the in Charlotte's Web, the play, when I was wow. a child. Wow. Yeah. Fun fact. What a role. <laughs> what a role. It was for someone who couldn't act. <laughs> Look, we don't need to know that. You yeah. could have been nominated for your school's production, Best Actress in Town. We're going to assume uh, you were the best Aunt Edith that ever Aunt Edith. I gave it my, my all. That's all that matters. There are no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> um, so my other favorite book is The Warmth of Other Suns. Uh, it's by Isabel Wilkerson. It's about Black migration, the great migration of Black folks from the South to the North and the West in America from like 1917 to like the 1970s, 60s. It's a major history book, um, but it's so beautifully written. It's incredible. It's so moving. It was a, a book that changed my life for sure. It changed the way that I saw myself in the world, the way that I see myself in the world, and especially the way I see myself in America and my family and um you know, if you're Black American and also Black in other countries, but I definitely think in America, there is a lot of our history that is unknown because of slavery and the ways that um, it uprooted families and disconnected families and literacy and, and census and all that. And so this book gave me a sense of what my family could or might have been like um, through the way that she writes this book. It's just incredible. I don't know. It's so good. Um, and then my last one. So this this slot right here, there's about 500 books I could go here. But today, <laughs> today, my third favorite book ever is a book. It's not I don't know if it's actually my favorite book ever, but it's a book that I think about a lot and really profound had a profound effect on the way that I view the world. And that book is called The Reckonings by Lacey M. Johnson. It's a collection of essays about justice and sort of the premise is that her memoir is a book called The Other Side and her story, again, you asked my type of book. I like a dark, heavy book. Mm -hmm. She was kidnapped and raped and almost murdered by her ex-boyfriend and she wrote a memoir about it and it's an incredible memoir. And while she was on her book tour, people kept asking her, well, what do you want to see happen to the person who did this to you? And so her next book, this collection of essays kind of starts at her addressing that, but it's a book about justice and all sorts of different forms. So there's an essay, she's from Houston. So there's an essay about the um, oil spill in Houston and what kind of environmental justice looks like. There's two essays about environmental justice. There's an essay about being a white woman. There is an essay about um, the flood in Houston. There are essays about, you know, her, her um, rape and attempted murder. There are essays about um, just being women and femininity. And she, there's an essay that's so incredible about the death penalty and children who have terminal cancer. And so she's doing these like just really beautiful, incredible sort of weaving of these ideas and thoughts together as into these essays. And, and the way that the book ends, just I won't... It, it's essay, so it doesn't really end, but the through line of the book and how it kind of comes together at the end is just so profoundly beautiful. And I think about it all the time. And I actually want to go back and reread the book in this moment of um, this Black Lives Matter movement and COVID and the ways that the unfairness and revenge and justice and all these feelings that are going on, a lot of grief. Um, so right now, that's one of my favorite books. Are you a big rereader or are you a one and done? 
I'm pretty much a one and done. I reread for the podcast. However, when I have reread for the podcast, um, I've really actually liked it. Like I reread Heavy by Kiese Lehman, which was one of my favorite books and in 2018. And it was even better this time. And usually when I reread, I try to do it on the other format. So if I listened to it the first time, I try to read the physical copy. If I read it the first time, I try to find the audio. We do the same thing. Becca's a big rereader. I am not. I don't like doing it, but I found that listening to audiobooks for the second time has made makes it more palatable. There are certain yeah. books that I think are just like comforting, like a warm blanket to reread. I'm like that with movies. Like I've been rewatching like all of the um like Nancy Myers movies. Like they're like my comfort movies during COVID. But- I do that with TV. Okay. I'm rewatching okay. Grey's Anatomy right now. Well, we just that finished watching The Office. I rewatch the Grey's Anatomy like every two or three years from so, start to finish. I just watched, I just got Masterclass and I watched Shonda okay. Rhimes's Masterclass about writing TV and okay. I stopped Grey's Anatomy. I don't know. Like uh, I, it's a spoiler, but I think like everyone knows it, but like after, I don't Derek? Wanna, Yeah. Okay. So I know I, what you're I, talking about. I stopped. Just, we're good. Yeah. I stopped right around there. <laughs> And I'm like, do I need to go back and like pick up where I left off? I mean, if you're asking me, yes, but like, I don't know what your relationship is. Like, did you weep uncontrollably? Because I was crying like in a way that was inappropriate for a television program. So that's part of the problem. So one of my friends made the case at the beginning of COVID that quarantine is the perfect time to rewatch all of Grey's Anatomy. And I was like, I don't have the emotional capacity to binge something that I'm going to cry at every episode. Like, I just, I don't have that in me right now. But I like, I do like cathartic TV crying. Then finish. You you have your answer. Okay. You know what you must do. <laughs> but like slowly. I don't think I can binge it truly. Yeah, I'm going very slow. Okay. I'm on season two right now. Okay. Um, Completely switching gears. Somebody wanted to know, what do you think is the most underrated book of 2020 that deserves more attention? And I will edit it to say, if you are comfortable, what do you think is the most overrated book of 2020? Ooh. Okay. Okay. Uh, underrated. Okay. So... The truth is, I don't actually read that many books of the year that we're in. Okay. I sort like I'm not like way ahead. I know a lot of people are. I'm not. I just can't keep up and there's so much stuff I want to read and I don't want to read. You rush also into just something. had twins. I can't imagine That's, reading like as a much little as busy. you do. And right. But even last year, like I mostly read books that have come out or like are within a week of two of coming out. Um, but so one of the books that I really liked in 20, I think it came out in 2020. It could have come out the last week of 2019. That's okay. These rules Don't, are not yeah, life or death yeah. here. <laughs> Don't sue me, okay? Um, it's called The Fight of the Century, and it was a collection oh, of essays ACLU about the book. ACLU. Yeah. Did you guys read it? No, mm. but I got sent a copy, and now I'm like, oh, I should pick that up. I really liked it. Um, it's totally in my wheelhouse. It's essays about politics and civil rights and all that sort of stuff. But it's from a bunch of different writers wrote different essays. I mean, people like Yad Jesse, Britt Bennett has an essay. You're going to um, give I, me that because you're not going to read it. <laughs> yeah, it's won't. great. She and never it, reads it, nonfiction. I thought it was really good and I didn't feel like people really gave it enough credit. And I think maybe because there were so many people involved, it sort of felt like it was nobody's book, mm-hmm. but Michael Chabon or however the f- you say his name and his wife, I Waldman were the editors. And okay. so they got all these great people and I read it, but the audiobooks really great too, because they got oh. all these actors and like famous people to read oh. the essays. So like what, what's constant Zimmer reads one. Okay. Um, Ann Patchett wrote one. Um, 
I, there's so many people who are part of it. And I thought it was really great. And, you know, some of the essays I was like, this is dumb and bad. And some of the essays I was like, whoa, you've changed my perspective on the world. Audio might be the ticket for me. I've learned recently that I think I consume nonfiction more receptively through audiobook than reading it. Yeah. And it's a good audio because you can do it like walk to the store. I can mm-hmm. do an essay. Like it's like you can just break it up. It's no big deal. And it goes kind of chronologically, I think, um, by yep. court case. I really liked it. I don't feel like people, I don't think got enough love okay. in my opinion. And then overrated book of 2020. My God, there's just so many. Um, every every book is overrated to me. Every fiction book. Um, so this this is this book might not be overrated, but I think this book is been oversimplified. And I think this book has is I, I am intrigued and worried about this book, which is such a fun age by Kylie Reed. Okay. I read it. I really liked it. I read it super fast. I was like, this is entertaining. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of issues with the way that the book is being consumed and talked about. And so I have a lot of feelings about the way that race and racism and why this book is so popular with white women and what it is about this book that is is so exciting. And so, you know, I think it's a good book. I don't think it's a great book. It just got nominated or long listed for the man Booker prize, which oh, is like shocking oh, wow. to me. Yeah. Shocking to me. Cause that's just not the kind of book that I feel like is normally on that list. That being said, I think it's a good book and like all the props to Kylie Reed. And I want to see her be successful because, you know, like I, I think she wrote a good book. I just have a lot of thoughts about the way it's being consumed. Oh, okay. interesting. Staying on our underhyped. Wait, though. Sorry. Sorry. That challenge that you posted, we had, we both agreed on something that was disappointing. Uncanny Valley. Uncanny Valley. Yeah, that book was not good to me. It wasn't a good book. It started. I mean, there are other books I don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I just, I remember, I had like things in my head that I wanted to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. One Uncanny of them Valley was sitting was on this it. book. No. Yeah. It, it was. It started good. I so we, I love a startup book. Grace and I met working at, at a, a startup. startup together. And so it's like an interest of mine. And I feel like in a lot of fiction, it's oversimplified and not done well. But then the other end of it is like in representations that are good. Everyone is so hateable that the books are so hard to read where it's like. Right. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm still for looking Valley, I just felt whale. like she didn't really like get into it. It was like, well, when are we gonna like start exposing people? Like, when are we gonna start talking about all the scamming? Like, where where's <laughs> yeah. the meat? You know, it was sort of and like I didn't feel like I knew her any better mm-hmm. by the end of the book. I didn't feel like she transformed at all. Like, I was sort of like, why am I here still? This is yeah. an article. This is yeah. like a nice long New Yorker article. Congratulations. Becca said the exact same thing. She was like, "It's it feels like I'm just reading the longest essay in the New Yorker. And I was like, right. you're totally right. But she is a, a journalist yes. essayist somewhere at the New Yorker somewhere. I think that, that I, makes sense. Then. I want to say that I remember it got picked up like it started as something shorter form and then she like expanded it and it was like mm, yeah not- it was like hey this is an essay at best yeah um I don't know another book should I keep shitting on books or are we good you can shit on you can shit on yeah. books more I was going to ask you if there was an underrated book coming out later this year that you don't think has gotten enough okay so there's a type. Again, I don't read that far in advance, but okay. there is a book coming out that I'm excited about that I haven't read, 
but I feel like no one's talking about, and I can't believe it, but I also can't believe it because it's in my dad book wheelhouse, Tell which us. is called The Dead Are Arising. And it's by Less Less Pain. Less Pain. It's by Less Pain. Okay. And it's about Malcolm X. And I'm super excited because he's one of my personal favorite people, one of my heroes, and one of the people that I love to read about anytime there's a book about him. Um, and it's coming out. August, September, October, who knows? <laughs> Who's to say? Yeah. This year, later this year. You know who will know that? Google will. Yeah. Yeah. Google knows that. Um, Goodreads knows that. Bookshop.org knows that. Mm-hmm. Lots of places so know it. You can find that. Um, but I- I'm excited to read it. I-, I just, I love books about Malcolm X. I love Malcolm X. I'm passionate about him. So it's called The Dead Are Arising. So I'm excited about that. And then the other book that I'm excited about that, um, is coming out, but I haven't read it either. It's called The Butterfly Effect by Marcus J. Moore, and it's about Kendrick Lamar. And I really like Kendrick Lamar, and I am excited about it. And the cover is really gorgeous. It's like a drawing, and it's black, and it's like a drawing of Kendrick Lamar looking like extra Kendrick-y. And it's just, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner Kendrick Lamar. So here we are. Interesting. I I don't know why this reminded me of this, but did you read Rodham? I did not. I, you know... That's okay. I, I have it. I have it. Um, no, I, I haven't just, read it I yet I was wondering either. what you thought about it because it kind of is like, oh, this cover is beautiful. Memoir. Sorry. I'm, Show me. Look, it's all these butterflies. It's like a really pretty drawing. Oh, yeah, that is. Wait, no, it's not a butterfly. Isn't it him? Isn't it Kendrick? No, she showed me something screen? that is like a lot of butterflies. No, it's by Marcus J. Moore. Oh, I'm. There's a lot of books. <laughs> I was like, there's effect. definitely no butterflies on it. Grace is buying a nonfiction book about butterflies. <laughs> She's like, Tracy it, recommended it. <laughs> yep, it's Kendrick Lamar. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this is when I mean, I'm, it's cool looking. When I'm it's trying a cool to interview someone and also buy books, I buy all the wrong books. Apparently, <laughs> I have a book to me coming with like an illustration book about butterflies. <laughs> Wait, didn't you do that before? You like read a book that an author recommended, and you were like, I hated it, and then I realized it was the wrong book. <laughs> I did. I did. I forget. It was something that, um, was it Andrea Dunlop? I don't remember. I don't know. One of our authors came on and, and recommended a book and I got it and it was so bad. And she's like that. She saw it on my stories and was like, that's not the book. That's not the book. Oh my God. That's so funny. So oh crisis God. averted. Grace yeah. will not be reading a history of butterflies. <laughs> yeah. It's really pretty. I can't take credit for that. Be a great no. coffee table book. <laughs> oh man. Somebody had a question that I love. What's a nonfiction book you want somebody to write so that you can read it? I love this okay. question. My husband, Mr. Sachs, asked me this on his episode. And Ooh. so I will not say the answer that I said there. I'll save that for you to go back and listen okay. to. Fair. Um, but I, he and I were brainstorming other answers after he asked it because I felt like I didn't do a good job. And um, one of the ones is, it's actually an essay that I would like to be turned into a full book, which is uh, by Rachel Kadzi Ganza. And she wrote an essay about Dylan Roof, who was the um, white supremacist who murdered nine black people at the Charleston AME, Mother Emanuel AME Baptist Church, Church in Charleston. So I would love a book about that. Um, not to be written by Rachel Gonza, but I just, she did a great job on the essay. But I don't know if you guys have read Columbine by Dave Cullen. It's one of my favorite books. And he um, he does an amazing job kind of reexamining that crime. And so I would love a book kind of in that style, like taking what we know, but also going through the police reports and kind of crafting a story about what happened and the mm-hmm. people and everything. Yeah. Do you think that Mr. Stack submitted this? No, because Mr. Sex is barely on social media and he hates me. So, <laughs> oh, no, 
<laughs> he was so mad that I made him do an episode. He's like still not talking to me. <laughs> it was a great episode. And I love that he like had to be bribed for your birthday to do it. He's been, I've been like, babe, do you want to come on the show? And he's like, no one wants to hear us talk. I hate my voice. Ah. He had a great <laughs> voice. I liked his voice. Well, the truth is there was another person who was supposed to do that episode with me. But then after COVID, I was like, we live in the same house. Like, can you just do it? It's coming out on my birthday. Like, are you really going to do this to me? And he was like, fine. And then was like so grumpy about it. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's a grump. Can we talk so we about audiobooks? We can. So I'm new to audiobooks. Same. What are your classics that you're like, this is a great audiobook? Because that's, I feel like, where I'm going to get into the nonfiction. Okay. I'm also semi-new to audiobooks. Oh, okay. How did you get the into podca- it? The podcast. I just yeah. needed more reading and yeah. I don't know, just more. Um, so I am a big fan of nonfiction read by the author, if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I do a lot of memoirs. Um, if I do like a celebrity book or an athlete book, I tend to do those on audio. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, have you ever read Cheryl Strayed's Tiny Beautiful Things? I have, but I would listen yeah. to it a second time. It's so good on audio because she reads it and, you know, she has like all her little sweet peas and honey bunch and all that. And it's oh. so beautiful on audio. I love it. Um, and uh, Tiffany Haddish's book is great on audio. Ooh. Trevor oh. Noah's book is great on audio. I just finished that. I loved it. I yeah, love him that book so much. Was great. Yeah, I read that and listened to that. I would um, read. I would read it, too. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, Demi Moore's book is great on oh, audio. Is it? Okay. This is not a book that you would ever, this is like on that Anna Kay level of yeah. like, books. Tracy should never be recommended to read slash ended up loving. But Becca Tobin was like, you should read it. I think you'd like it on audio. And I was like, Becca, no. She's like, just try it. I was like, fine. It's actually kind of great. I mean, it's one of those books I really enjoyed and I'll never think about again. And, you know, but it was really good. And she does. She reads it, and it's interesting. Tracy, I'm scared to recommend this to you because I don't want you to. She's gonna. Quit. I don't want. She's it. gonna leave. She's gonna exit Zoom. Like <laughs> no, I think no, 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 no. I don't want this to reflect poorly on me if you hate it. But okay. the best audiobook I've read is Jessica Simpson's memoir. Okay, hello. It's my next book on my hold from my it library. Okay. I'm wait- I keep pushing so it back. Good, and I have no I, affinity for Jessica. Simpson. I was like Becca, we want her to like us. Like you have to not talk about this. <laughs> no, no. I I'm super like into pop culture things. Like I love a celebrity memoir, especially on audio. It's just that now that I read so much, it's hard to make time to actually physically read books that I'm like, I'm not going to do it on the podcast. Like, yeah. yeah. So, but Jessica Simpson's book, I've been on hold for, for it for a while. And then I had some things I needed to listen to for, for the podcast. And so I have keep pushing my hold mm-hmm. back. I just pushed it back two weeks last night, but I was <gasps> due up yesterday, but I will get to it. Okay. Get to it. It is it is it's so, so unnecessarily over Sherry. I heard yeah. it's so great. I've heard there's some like great moments. Yes. I, like I'm so excited. So th- that is no, I, I have a, I have range, you know, okay. I have my okay. Jessica Simpson side of me and then I have my like, you know, well, it's like such ACLU a, side of me. It's such like a wild card recommendation that I feel like people would be like a little judgy if they were like, I'm not going to read that. But I'm glad it's already on your hold list. So you're like, no, I'm oh, already yeah. on your page. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're with me. You're a thousand percent <laughs> with me. I'm I did here. not want to read it. And I got sucked in by Becca and several others. And it was – it really made the start of quarantine a lot more manageable. Yeah. Everybody says it's great. So I'm definitely here for it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Back – one more book-related question. And then we're going to 
speaking of dra- of drama and tea, we have some questions for you. Okay. Okay. Um, what are your favorite memoirs? <sighs> so I already mentioned I the other memoir. side. I love memoir. I already mentioned the other side by um, Lacey M. Johnson. Yes. So good. I mentioned Heavy by Kiese Lehman. So good. Uh, Men We Reaped by Jessamyn Ward. Incredible. If you've read her fiction, I like. I read one of her fictions. I liked it. I thought it was good. <laughs> like she's a good writer. But her memoir is holy. I swear. Do you guys swear? Can yeah, I swear? You can swear. Oh yeah, we swear. Holy shit! It's so fucking good. Oh my god. Okay. Even the acknowledgments are incredible. Ooh. Wow. Um, all of the books I've mentioned are not light. I don't. I don't like a light memoir. Like if your memoir is about like you, like going to middle school and like being like discovering you can sing like I don't care if your memoir is like murder death devastation pain like <laughs> I know that sounds terrible it's like so exploitative but that's like what I like sorry no, that, that those are all like really key interests of mine so I yeah I'm okay into it. okay good, key good, good. Interest is murder it is yeah. I love murder my key interest is yeah like deep deep pain um and then also <laughs> Jesus land is this book by Julia Shearer's and this is a super underrated book that I Ooh. have been big hyping forever. Um, like I think I read it in 2009. I think it was the book that actually got me onto Goodreads. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. My now sister-in-law, she recommended it to me and um, it's so good. She, Julia shares is a white woman. She's from Indiana. Her family had adopted two black, um, two black boys also. And then her parents were like kind of like wild Christians and they like sent them to a Jesus camp and it is incredible. And I will say this, please listen. If you buy a new copy of this book and there is a forward, do not read the forward before you read the book. For whatever reason, they took an essay that Julia Shears had written separate from the book that has a major spoiler, like major, and they put it in the front of the book. They did not consult her about it. And I I met her. I got to meet her, which was like so exciting. And she was like, here's a copy of the data. And I gave it to my friend because I obviously already had my copy. And she and my friend was like, why did they ruin the book and the forward? Like, why did they tell us X, Y, and Z? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what? So do if you buy a copy, do not read the forward until okay. afterwards. Well, thank you because I've, I've just added that to my cart. I love you said something about cults earlier. I yes. love books about cults or like dramatic books about religion. So, okay, so Julia Shear's other book is called A Thousand Lives, and it's about Jonestown, and it is one of Jonestown's one of my personal obsessions, and it's the best book I've read on Jonestown. Okay, um, hands down. So you should also just go ahead and add that right to your cart. A Thousand Lives by Julia Shearer's, um, and it's incredible, incredible, incredible. This is really bad. I've got a hundred and eighty dollars worth of books in my bookshop cart. Yeah, good for it's, you. It's great. Treat yourself. Yeah, you're worth yeah. it. Yeah. So we also wanted to spend some time talking about. Black authors, Black Lives okay. Matter in books, okay. and Book of the Month drama. Let's yes. do it. So, like, that's this we got, category it's <laughs> encapsulated. A, it's a strange cat. We got a lot of questions about what happened with Book of the Month and um, if how you're feeling about this, if they've reached back out, what the status is. We kind of want to know, too, because we stopped working with them. Um yeah. Totally. Um, I get a lot of messages from people who are your followers that are like, hey, any updates on Book of the Month? I'm like, (laughs) our followers are asking you. I love that. They're like, they're like, hey, um, 
Grace and Becca said maybe you would be able to fill us in. And I'm like, Hi. we did not say uh, that because I would no, never no, no. tell anyone to DM you. I think just that so you, you know. I think maybe like you guys mentioned it and like yeah. were like, check out the stacks page for more information. Right. And so people like oh. yeah, they they weren't okay. like Grace and Becca specifically <laughs> sent you to like they were like, hey, message her. No. I was like, I am so sorry. Um, that's yeah. okay. So should I just tell the story? I, I mean, yeah. what, whatever you're comfortable with. Whatever you feel okay talking about. I'm comfortable with whatever. I, you know, uh, open book. Um, No pun intended. So basically what happened is book of the month has been kind of problematic in the past. And full disclosure, I actually used to be sponsored by them. So, and I was sort of like on the fence about it a little bit, but I was like, whatever, like it's money and I have a podcast and that's, that's something that I need to live my life. Yeah. And so, um, after I stopped working or after we like parted ways for no reason, just like, you know, we parted ways, not no drama. Um, they, you know, they're, they've been problematic. They had American dirt, which was a book that was a big issue. And a lot of people of color that I'm friends with in the book community had kind of, you know, called them a little bit out about it. And they posted a black square when everybody was posting black squares saying that they cared about black people. And one of the they, or maybe it wasn't a black square. Maybe it was a post that had some thoughts about what they were going to do different. And I asked a su- what I thought was an innocuous question, which was, well, how many of the books that you feature are by black authors? And then some other people commented and then they changed their post to be like, we're going to do, I can't remember what they said. They changed their post. It's the post that's up now. Okay. And I then commented back like, Hey, you guys changed your post. Like what's up? And then they deleted it and blocked me. Um, so they, deleted, they deleted my comment and yeah. then they like blocked me from following them. And so then I was like, Hey everyone, I've been deleted and blocked. Like what the fuck? I'm a black woman. Like that felt pretty targeted, especially because other people that I'm friendly with who were Asian Latinx were not deleted and blocked. Um, their comments are still there. And so then, you know, I took to my stories and at this time, I think I had like 10,000 followers. Like this was really at the beginning of this whole rush to follow black people. Um, and so, you know, it didn't really feel like it sort of felt like I was just venting yeah. in that moment, um, especially cause they have like 900,000 followers and I had somewhere between 10 and 15,000 at this moment. Yeah. Um, and I was like, Hey, everyone who's saying they want to be an ally, like you should pull up right now. Like this is the moment, right? I'm a black woman. I expressed, and I had some screenshots of what had happened just because I had taken a screenshot and like, you know, you know how that is like, you just, whatever. So I had some. And so then basically it kind of spiraled out of control. A lot of people started like picking it up and like demanding them to do something. And this was on a Saturday or a Sunday. It was definitely the weekend. And I was like, well, I'm going to wait till Monday to see what book of the month says, because it's a company. Like I get it. Monday rolls around. I don't hear anything from anyone. They address it publicly on their page, like because people start canceling on Sunday. People start, I guess you have to email to cancel. So people start emailing and canceling. So sometime in the afternoon on Monday, I can't remember the exact time. Apologies if I'm getting this not completely right. This was like two months ago, but they um, change the post, the original post again. And they say something in their, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. Their CEO posts a bunch of action items. That's like, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. And it's like a carousel you can swipe through. 
or slide through, but I have not heard a word from book of the month. And then one of their employees who I believe is like in marketing or something, I can't remember her name, but one of their employees, she takes to her stories being like, this thing happened and we can't believe it. And no one here can believe what has happened as if like it was a hurricane, right? Like this event that happened outside (laughs) of book of the month, right? Something out of their control. And at the end of her story, she tags me and is like, if I, I, I just want to say to at the stacks pod, you know, she was so eloquent, which if you don't know, is like pretty much coded racist so, language about black people. So that obviously I was like, that's inappropriate, but whatever. She was like, she's so eloquent and handled this with more grace than I would have. This is all public on her page. And the CEO has now released a thing. And I still have not heard a single word from book of the month at this point. And this is getting to be I want to say around 3 p.m. Pacific time. So it's after the end of the workday, I know for sure, on the East Coast. Then I finally get an email from this woman at Book of the Month who had posted this story that was like basically her story. Hey, I can't believe this has happened. We're trying to get to the bottom of who did this or how this could ever have happened. And, you know, sorry. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, and I didn't respond right away. Oh no. Cause she DM'd me first. Then I get an email that's like that. And then the next day they update their post. That's like, we've personally apologized to, to the person who was offended or whatever. I don't think they even tagged me or maybe they did. I can't remember for sure, but they basically said that they had apologized to me privately, which they had not. She had sent an email from her email, but it wasn't like, this is on behalf of book of the month. These are the action items we've taken. You know, there was no accountability whatsoever. It was really just like, Sorry that this thing totally out of our control happens to you, which, you know, I mean, we can talk about how to give a public apology, but that certainly is not it. In my opinion, I think you have to have accountability. I would have loved for them to reach out and say, we'd love to get on a phone call with you. I would have appreciated them, you know, really emphatically saying we're sorry, telling they said that they're doing, you know, some sort of in-house something with the person who who eventually who they eventually figured out was to blame or whatever but i would have loved to know what that kind of accountability work looked like i would have loved to know what you know i and i never asked for the person to be fired i know other people did i don't believe in that like uh, please this is a terrible time to lose your job this is a terrible time for all of us but i think like an apology from the person might have been nice i think that an apology from someone officially from the company might have been nice i also think that when the ceo released all his statements about all the things they were going to do i think it would have been a really good move if he had acknowledged that his hand was forced by a black woman, right? Like he wasn't going to release that if people hadn't freaked out and canceled their memberships. And I think that like one of the things we see a lot is that a lot, oftentimes white people, white men, um, white people in power get credit for doing something in the racial justice space because their hand was forced by black people, people of color, um, queer people, depending on the situation, oftentimes black queer people. Um, And I felt like I was erased and he will get the credit and they will get the credit for that work that they did air quotes work. But that was really forced by me having to be the victim of their, you know, kind of attacking me and then me having to field so many messages and questions. And I'm still, I got a question today of, Hey, has book of the month, reached out to you because they're telling me that they have. And I was like, I posted everything on my stories. Like I shared everything that I had. And so at this point, you know, I'm only really divulging this with you guys because I know that you canceled your relationship with them, which I think is really a nice move. And I appreciate that. And I've said that to you guys privately, but 
I'll say it here as well. Um, but for the most part, you know, I, I did a post about a bunch of other book subscription boxes that are run by people of color and by women. Um, and I posted about it. And one of the things that I said was a Toni Morrison quote or, along the lines of one of the big functions of racism is distraction. And that was a super draining experience for me. It was days and days and it's, you know, I'm still dealing with it. I'm still having to talk about it. Um, Sorry to make you you talk about it again. No, 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 I don't. I didn't mean having to talk. I mean, I'm still talking about it. I'm still getting messaged about it. Um, And again, I'm happy to speak about it with you guys because I feel like I know that that is one of your sponsors and I appreciate you guys taking a monetary hit you know, in solidarity, like that is how you pull up in my opinion. So I, I really do appreciate that. But you know, that is one of the functions of racism, right? It's like the erasure of black people and then also the distraction and the amount of energy that I'm a one woman show. I, I do my own show. I pretty much do everything by myself. And so I'm not book of the month, you know? And so I think that pretty much kind of sums it up. And I don't, you guys can ask follow-up questions. I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to feel like I, if I didn't feel comfortable talking about it, I would have told you no. So don't feel weird about that. Yeah. No, it's interesting for us to hear how little closure there is on it. I I didn't know what I expected if there was going to be like an I dotted or a T crossed, but just that it's kind of just like so. Nothing since then from any of them. No, no follow-up, no anything. And I know that if people bring it up to them, they still say like, we apologize privately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shared that private apology. I took out the person's name, but I shared it exactly as it was. And I, I think I shared my response, but I did include in my response the part about, you know, your company will profit off of this mistake and the changes that you made. And, you know, and you've erased me from that story. And that also speaks volumes. Like to me, that's really the bottom line is that there was an opportunity to say we messed up and these are the, you know, we apologize, whatever, but we were forced you know, to make these changes because of the mistakes we made and the ways that we harmed a black person. And they didn't do that. Would you like to plug any of the other book subscription services that you have discovered as a result of this? So this is on my Instagram if you guys want to share this in the stories or whatever. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, Yeah, the show notes. That's what I meant. So there's Cafe Con Libros. um, There's Margins Box, Fulton Street, um, Decentered Lit, which is in Jamaica, um, Ravens Read, which is focuses, uh, it's just indigenous run. I am Black Lit, The Collective Oakland, um, which is from my hometown of Oakland, Call Number Box, Feminist Book Club Box, which is also a podcast, and then Page One Books, which they were doing an awesome promotion where they were actually honoring Book of the Month credits. Um, and they went ahead and bought some airspace on my podcast, which I greatly appreciated. So shout out to them as well. Oh, I love that. Amazing. We'll we'll link Tracy's post in our show notes so that you can find all of those if you are looking for an alternative. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I'm curious more broadly outside of book of the month, but still within the book world, what has been your perception of the last two months in terms of readers, bookstagram, brands? I know that is like the broadest question, but just as a Black woman, how have you felt about what you have seen in terms of action or inaction? And like, are you feeling optimistic, pessimistic, Hmm. neutral, shell-shocked? Also, the the whole, like we mentioned this earlier, the rush to follow Black people on Instagram because... Or the rush to read anti-racist books. Like, I feel like... Yeah. Yeah. A I lot mean, of there's, questions. there's so much. I know. There's I know. So it much. could be a whole other episode. Yeah. <laughs> it could be. It really could be. And, you know, this is something that I think about a lot. And mm-hmm. so a lot of my thoughts, I'm happy to share, but they're, they're still coming together and they may evolve. So I just want to say that 
Uh, because I think there is this feeling that there should be answers totally. for a lot of these questions from Black people, from people who are, you know, doing the work or learning or whatever, however you want to phrase the that whatever euphemism you want to learn, say, I don't know. I hate both of those phrases, which is yeah. why I'm saying that. Um, I hate learning and I hate doing the work. I just think it's like, <laughs> what does that mean? You're so annoying. We're all learning. Uh. Um, but I'm also generally just, I'm just a mean person. <laughs> what can I say? Um, so, but my point is that I am processing and I haven't concretized all my thoughts around a lot of this either because I'm still in the moment. But, absolutely, you know, one of the big things is publishing is so incredibly white. And I think we all know that there's that Lee and Lowe study about publishing and, and books and comp titles, um, which are basically how authors pitch their books. If you're not familiar with comp titles, essentially, um, if Grace were to write a book, she would say, I wrote this book about donkeys and Becca wrote a book about mules. And so look at how Becca's book sold to see how my book might sell. But a lot of the comp titles, and there's specific titles that are comp titles, and a lot of the comp titles are by white authors. There aren't comp titles for a lot of Black authors and other authors of color. Um, so, you know, there's a big struggle, and I'm part of a group, and I support a group of people that are called Readers for Equality, and they're doing work on trying to get influencers in the book space, so bookstagrammers, um, paid and acknowledged for their work because... I'm sure people are familiar with the idea of like an influencer and in, in beauty, right? If you're an influencer, you can make like bank, right? Or fashion, travel influencers make a good deal of money. Um, food influencers make a ton of money. And in the book space, there's really like no, not a lot of money in the space. And it's that's so interesting. Because, right. Publishing apparently, quote unquote, doesn't have money as if it's not, you know, a huge industry and as if books, these books don't have huge marketing budgets, but because people are willing to do the work for free or they think that there's not money in it. So that's something that I've been working on and working with this group um, and excited, you know, to be asked to be a part of it and like to sign my name onto the work that they're doing. Um, and they're called Readers for Equality and they have an Instagram and you can link to all that. Um, but so that's one of the things that I'm working on. But more broadly, like it's disappointing and frustrating. Um to see a lot of this stuff brought to light, but none of it is feels new or shocking to me. Like I was not surprised when there was the publishing paid me hashtag where authors talked about what their advances were. It's a little shocking to see the actual numbers, like to see how much NK Jemison was making for her books versus like some white girl I've never heard of. Yeah. Um, or Jessamyn Ward, who ha is a two-time National Book Award winner and seeing what her advances look like versus people that I, again, have never heard of. Um, and and so that stuff is not... is The numbers are new, but that information is not shocking to me. I've been alive and Black my whole life. I'm 34 years old. Like, this is not new. And I think that that's part of where my you know, resentment or irritation with the idea of like, I'm learning comes from because I'm like, hello, we've been telling y'all that there's racism. Like we've <laughs> been communicating this for years. Like I'm sure people are familiar with Trayvon Martin, right? That was 2013 that that trial verdict came out. So that was seven years ago. So what I'm trying to figure out is where have you been for the last seven years, right? Because if you're my age, right, I'm giving you the benefit of that. If you're in your 30s, you know, seven years ago, you're probably kind of coming into adulthood, getting out of college, you know, seeing the world in new ways. Um, but even five years ago, Michael Brown, like we all remember Hands Up, Don't Shoot and Ferguson, like 
you know, Sandra Bland was a few years ago. So there's all these events, you know, I could list so many names, which is sad. But for me, like the optimism comes, I guess, from the idea that more people are talking about it. But the pessimism comes from this is none of this is new, unfortunately. I mean, Emmett Till was what, 1955, I think. Like none of this is new. None of this is groundbreaking. I'm just hopeful that the people who have followed me or who are now listening to the podcast or whatever stay and want to hang out and listen and talk and can, you know, hold their hold their feelings of defensiveness to to hear because you know, I'm super proud of the show that I make because I think that we are able to have conversations about race and around race. And we've been having these conversations since the show started. The second book we ever did was Jasmine Ward's Men We Reaped, which is about young black men in her, it's her memoir about young black men in the South, um, in Mississippi. So, you know, it's, it's complicated and it's hard and, um, it's tiring and it's, you know, it's a lot of work and I'm happy to do it. And that's something that I have signed up for. Like I have a podcast about books. If I wasn't excited about educating, I don't think that would be where I spend my time. Um, but I'm not all black people and don't go to your black friends and be like, Tracy educates like, (laughs) please, please. Um, so I don't know if you have more specific questions. I kind of just rambled. No, like, it was a broad question. Yeah, we really just wanted to know your kind of your experience and how you're feeling right now. Like we do, do not want you to like educate our audience or any of that. We just again, I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. No, you shouldn't do it. I think that if they are interested in hearing more of your thoughts, they should go to your podcast. They should now. go to your podcast and listen. Well, yes, you should. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe as a segue there, if somebody is starting your podcast for the first time, do you have like three greatest hits episodes that you're like, these are the ones I'm most proud of and you should start with these? Yes and no. So oh. let me just say it this way. Um, the way that the show is structured, especially so I kind of changed the stru- structure of the show um, when I started this third season in April 2020. But up until 2020, for my guests, I had two episodes. So um, if you came on for part one, you talked about about yourself and your reading and your taste in reading. And then in part two, we did the book club episode. Um, and now I do just one book club episode a month as opposed to two. And so in between, I also have just straight up author interviews. Um, so there's a different, a few different kinds of episodes, but one of my favorite book club episodes is um, Beloved, which I did with Damaris B. Hill, who wrote the book uh, a bound woman is a dangerous thing. She's a poet and a professor and she's absolutely brilliant. And the beloved episode is, I think, one of the best. Um, the KSA Layman episode, both of them um, are incredible to me. I'm a huge a fan of Jason Reynolds, who I love. And so his episodes are great. He and I talk about his work and then we talk about um, Jacqueline Woodson's Red at the Bone Um Tawny Newsom, who's a comedian and a podcaster, she and I did Home Fire by Camila Shamsi, and that's a really great episode. So there's a there's a handful, but um, as far as like straight up author interviews, um, I have one with Ibram Kendi. So if you're interested in racism, obviously he's one of the guys um, that you want to listen to, and I love him too. He's great. Um, so as a last question for you. A listener asked, okay. this is really cute. How can I support you okay. in addition to podcast downloads and listens? Okay. Well, I'm sure if you're a listener of my show or of Bad on Paper, you know you can subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> 
Always. That's helpful. Yes. Always. Any any of our shows, please do that. Um, you can, you know, screenshot and tell people, tell your friends. I always say, like, if you're in a book club, email your book club with a link to the show. Um, if you're in a book club and it's your month to pick, you should pick the book that we're doing and then you can have bonus content. Um, I have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash the stacks where it's $5 a month and we do a virtual book club. So every month, the people who are part of the Patreon, we do a video chat um, about whatever the month, the book club of the month was. So that's really fun. I freaking love doing that. Um, you can follow me on social media. I don't know. How do you support people? Tell those people are great. Those handles. are all great ways. Yeah, what are oh, your- at the Stacks Pod on Instagram and at the Stacks Pod underscore on Twitter, or you can go to the website, thestackspodcast.com. The other way is you can support um, our sponsors or the people who uh, put money behind the show. So right now we're working with Libro FM, which supports independent bookstores as well, or independent bookstores through audiobooks, um, and they're great. So if I'm ever, you know, pitching something and you can support that also commenting on posts on Instagram or liking, yeah. engaging with the stuff that I'm doing, that really goes a long way. People don't understand that, but liking a post and then commenting is super great. Yes, I agree. I always tell people that and they're like, really? That helps you? I'm like, yes. Like my whole currency as an influencer is likes and comments. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's so, so helpful. And like, you know, reshares and all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, and then I have a bookshop.org website, web page or whatever. It's, I think it's just the stacks. Um, and you made a great I have book list. You had a, li- a good list of anti-racist books. Yeah, I had a huge list. I have two lists, one's fiction and one's nonfiction. But my nonfiction one I did first, obviously. And I did it like the first day that this all happened. And now everybody has an anti-racist reading list. But I I swear I was one of the first. Um, And it's like 80-something books. So the nonfiction one. And then the fiction one is like 50-something books. Um, And the fiction one, and this should be said, I I feel like we got to be talking about this more, which is... It's great to read anti-racist books that are like targeted at anti-racism, right? Like I I think it's great to read Ibram Kendi. Stamp from the Beginning is one of my favorite books. He's incredible. How to Be an Anti-Racist is also great. Like, you know, why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. All these books are great and awesome and you should read them and they should be part of your reading. But you should also be reading fiction books, craft books, memoirs. You should be reading beautiful writing. Not that not that these nonfiction books aren't beautiful writing, but you should be reading books about the black experience and not just to like learn about racism, but just to see people in the world. Just like the, you know, someone asked me, do you think it's important to read fiction by black authors? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And I don't even like fiction, but like, (laughs) just like we were taught to read the great Gatsby to apparently learn something about being American. Right. And like, it was also about craft, but it was also about American experience. And it was about alliteration or whatever, whatever reason you read that book. I don't know. See imagery, imagery, whatever. I love that. You know, I learned nothing, nothing from it, but yeah, I hated that book and I learned nothing from it. (laughs) But, um, but, you know, like we we're taught to read these classics yeah. in a certain way to understand the beauty of writing or whatever it looks like. And and that's true for books by black authors. I mean, I've mentioned Jasmine Ward a million times and like she is doing incredible things with her writing. And yes, her books have to do with race in America. But I saw somewhere someone said every book written by an American author has to do with race in America. Every single one. 
you we, know? And so looking at it through the, that lens, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say we had Elizabeth Acevedo on the podcast uh, in June. And one of the things she said when she was on was that she was like, as a black woman, I have read so many books by white women and understand the interiority of white women from having read those books and like how many white women can say the same. And that's something that I've really thought of so much over the past couple of months since she's been on. Um, Right. In terms of like, it it isn't even about learning anything. It's just about consistently hearing that in the inner monologue, not just like the external like history, like let's have a history lesson. Yeah, even just right, a exactly. romance, like a Jasmine Guillory book. I love Jasmine Guillory. Yeah. Love her. Yeah, I think that like one of the things that I think about a lot and I, I talk about with some of my friends is that I think groups that have been oppressed or marginalized, whether it's women, whether it's queer folks, black people, other people of color, what indigenous folks, is that the people who have been oppressed understand the majority group or the oppressor better than they even understand themselves. Yeah. And so I think about this a lot. Like, you know, there's lots of books about by women about um, all sorts of things. And you understand as a woman, a lot of, a lot more about men than men understand about themselves or, and in this case, like, I think I've read a ton of books by white people, a ton of books, and I am able to find ways to relate to them and to understand them and to think about them and to critique them and to talk about them. And if you're not able to do that about books by black people or Korean people or, you know, Vietnamese people, then you're doing something wrong. If you're not able to read those books and relate to those books, you need to be reading more of those books. And so the list that I put together on fiction is it's called read black stories. It's not an anti-racist reading list. It's just like black store. It's just stories by black people. And it's just fiction that I think is good. And it's fiction that I think is worth reading. And And if Tracy thinks it's good, it's really good. Yeah. If Tracy Dorsey's fiction. Well, some of it, I've got to, some of it I don't think is that good, but some of it I th- <laughs> other people think is good, right? Like I read Sing Unburied Sing and I think it's good, but other people think it's like the greatest book ever, right? But it's fiction, so it's not great um, to me. But, you know, I just think that like, I think that the, and I read a ton of anti-racist reading books myself. Like that's a genre that I like that I didn't even mention, but I love books about racism. I'm so passionate about it. And so, but it's not enough to just read these books also. I think that has to be said because people think, oh, I read White Fragility. I'm done. Like, check off my list. And it's super not that. That's like never, ever, ever, ever yeah. going to be enough. Like you're the doing, doing that kind of reading to me is sort of like if you're in the NFL, that's like lifting weights, right? But that's not playing in a football game, right? You've not gone out and done anything. You're just building your strength. It's just like running on the treadmill. It's getting your skills up, but you still have to go out there and throw the ball and catch the ball and tackle the guy. And like, you still have to go play the game. And so reading the fiction might be another kind of finesse, you know, it might be doing the little like pushing up. I don't know. I don't know what other things they do. It might be going in your cryogenic chamber or whatever, you know, like it's like, there's all these different ways to exercise your mind around race in America, but the actual work is, you know, calling your senators or voting is an actual thing or donating money or um, giving to mutual aid funds or volunteering in your community or, putting your body out on the line at these protests, you know, like there's all these other ways that you're actually doing the work, but, and it's also not enough to be like, we're talking about it with our kids at home. Like that is one thing. It's gotta be a lot of things. And if it doesn't feel super hard and uncomfortable, if it doesn't feel exhausting to the point of like, I could cry, you're not doing the work. 
And I think people think that if they just read the book or they talk about it for 30 minutes at their book club one time, or they tell their racist uncle, like, don't say that anymore. That's racist that they're done. And like, no, it's super not that it's gotta be, you gotta be a co-conspirator with black people in this moment. You've got to be getting down and dirty. You've got to be pulling up in ways where you're putting yourself and your comfort on the line. Otherwise you're just kind of hanging out. An incredibly powerful statement to end with. Yeah. As a reminder, <laughs> go listen to Tracy's podcast. It's called The Stacks. What ep- what day do your episodes drop? Tuesday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Oh, just like us. So, so she has a new yeah. episode out today too. Head over there. Yeah. Yeah. Tracy, thank Same. you so much. You've been such an incredible guest. Yeah. This thank was really Thank you guys great. so much. I am so honored to be here and hopefully we can – I can pay you guys back by having you come on. I love that. That would be great. About a romance, a murder romance. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Grace, back to just us. Just us. I miss you, Tracy. (laughs) Should we do some end matter? Yes. Should we talk about Instagram? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like everyone knows about mine, but it is still something. Oh, you don't? No. Okay. So it's. Want show was young. All like you would think it was spelled. So it is this 80-year-old couple. They live in Taiwan and they own a laundromat. And when items get left at their laundromat that nobody comes to pick up, they like do photo shoots and dress up in them and are like the cutest, most fashiony old people. They are adorable. It's so cute. It's all in, I guess, Taiwanese. Um, it's the captions are in English. You won't know what it says, but they're um, they're so cute. I love them. Oh, they are adorable. They were profiled in the New York Times, so I feel like everyone has heard about them. But I mean, and they have like five hundred thousand followers. But I was like, no, I just want to talk about this cute old couple. Yeah, their posts get like a hundred thousand likes. <laughs> yeah, people are invested. <laughs> people are real invested. We're in a pandemic. We need cute old people. Yeah. Okay. What's yours? Mine is. Um, she's been around for a while, so I. And I knew who she was, but I didn't follow her. I started following her because she's based in Charleston and someone I know was talking about her new house. So her name is Megan Stokes and her Instagram is Holy City Chic. And it is, um, she is just like a really cute fashion blogger that lives in Charleston, which obviously, you know, I love Charleston. So I live vicariously through any Charleston bloggers, but she's not like... Her style isn't, like, super, super Southern and, like, or, like nothing against that. But it's, like, it's it's something that I think that girls in New York would like, too. Um, she's adorable. Her family is so cute. She always has great outfits. Her home decor is great. I just think she's a good follow. Okay. Yeah. What about on the Obsessions front? On the Obsessions front, also based in Charleston, I am obsessed with my friend Vanita's podcast. It's called Group Chat Realness. Um, And Vanita Aspen, who is another favorite Charleston Instagrammer, um, she started this podcast with her friend Sophie Gold. And I think that it was real. The impetus for it was this um, series of Instagram lives that they had had together. And anyway, the first episode was incredible. It's uh, um, they talked a lot about race. They talked a lot about kind of how they were both feeling after the Black Lives Matter movement and George Floyd and like what it did to their social audience when like they both gained like, you know, tens of thousands of followers in a couple of days. Um, 
there was a really good conversation about tokenism. Um, Vanita is so talented and works with like a slew of brands, but she had a really, again, it's like the name of the podcast, but she had a really real conversation with Sophie about what it's like to constantly be like the one black girl included in all of these campaigns and, you know, how tokenism feels and um, just how it feel it all feels right now. And I thought their conversation was really real and very raw. Um, and it also at the same time felt like I was sitting in a room with two girlfriends. So if you guys like our podcast, I think that you'd really like their podcast. And I don't know, I like to plug new podcasts that I think are good because it's really hard to grow a podcast. So when you guys finish listening to us, go listen to theirs. And listen to Tracy's, which also came out today. Yes. Um, mine is Taylor Swift's new album. Have you listened to it yet? I listened to the um, the Cardigan song. Okay, it grew on me. I didn't like it at first, but the cardigan song grew on me. I like the cardigan song. I didn't listen to anything else. It's really good. At first, I was a little disappointed because there's not really like any bops on it. Like yeah. it's not very um Is it all like hitty. moody? Yeah, it's all moody. And there's not any like radio bangers on it. And I was at first I listened and I was like, "Oh, it's kind of disappointing." It is like the perfect work background and I'm not usually somebody who can do work and listen to music but like I've edited a lot of rom-com pods with this in the background or like gone on walks like I don't know it's just like very good kind of melancholy music yeah I'm very into it um I like that Becca what are you reading right now um so I'm reading a book called boyfriend material by Alexis Hall and it is a gay British rom-com um, about this guy who is a famous rock star's son, and he's like always in the tabloids, and he's about to lose his job because like the tabloids have made him out to be a complete mess. So he gets this fake boyfriend who's like a very respectable lawyer, so that he looks put together. Okay. Um, it's very cute. Okay. It's very British. If you like British rom-coms, like, this is a great one. Like, I feel like British humor is just, I I don't know. Like, some of it is just, like, cheesier sometimes. Like, British rom-coms are, like, really cheesy. Like, in the book, he has friends that are a couple, and they're both named James Royce. And so they're, like, the James Royce Royces, and it's never clear who's talking. And, like, I'm like, this is hilarious. (laughs) Um, But it's very cute and cheesy. Fun. What are you reading? I see that you've done quite a bit of reading. Not really. Um, did I talk about The Wife Stalker last time by Liv Constantine? I think so. I think I did. Um, so I read – I finished that. Then I read um, Allegedly by Tiffany Jackson. And so I had a lot – I kind of put the question out there for, like, what are good light thrillers written by black authors? And there are so few. Um, so – a lot of people re- recommended Tiffany Jackson's books, so I ordered two of them, and I ordered the new one that's coming out this Oh, I fall. pre-ordered that one, too. But allegedly, was great. And I was, like, reading it, and I was like, there, this isn't even a thriller. It was, like, suspenseful at times. And there's, like, such a huge twist at the end. So basically, it's about this girl. She is 16, but when she was nine years old, she was accused of allegedly murdering a white baby. Um, she's a black girl. And so there's, like, a lot about race in there. And um, also, like, just the logistics of what happens to a child killer. Because 
it's you can't treat a child the way you would treat an adult, like when they murder someone. So I don't want to give anything away, but it's wild. Okay. It was so good. I It kind of is like that thing you have with Verity where it hits you over the head at the end. And you like I had to reread the last few chapters a couple times because I was like, what the fuck just happened? Interesting. Okay. So I loved that. And then the next book that I just started reading, which is a little slower, it's a small, it's a shorter book, but it was recommended by Elizabeth Acevedo when she came on the podcast. And that is Miracles Boys by Jacqueline Woodson. What's that about? And that is about, it's about three boys. Um, Their mother, their parents are dead and the oldest one is 22 and he's raising the younger two. And one of them was just in reform school and we don't really know what happened to him, but he's back from reform school and he's like just turned into a bully and like a bad kid. So we don't really know. I don't really know much of what's happening, but it's told from the perspective of the youngest child. His name's Lafayette. Um, And right now it's just very sad because it's, you know, there's like a lot of memories of his mother and his mother, um, like I think her body went into a diabetic shock. I, I'm trying to remember what happened, but she, he's the one who found her. Um, so it's very sad. And um, their father also died when they were young, jumping into a lake in Central Park to save a woman and her dog. So I don't know everything that's going to happen because I'm only like maybe 25% through the book. But okay. I It's really beautifully written. Okay. Yeah. And if none of those books appeal to you, we also have our August book club coming up the last Wednesday of the month, and we are reading The Comeback by Ella Berman, and it's a book about a uh, young Hollywood starlet who got famous when she was a teenager and was sexually and emotionally abused by the director that made her famous, and so she takes a year out of the spotlight and then comes back to Hollywood to rebuild her career and seek her revenge, and it is both very topical and of the moment but it is also very soapy and psychologically thrillery and readable it's fantastic it's just it's like a fun read but it also tackles some heavy heavy issues so we're so excited to discuss that with you the last wednesday of the month and in the meantime if you would like even more of us you can join our facebook group you can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast, and I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. And I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood, and I blog every day at thestripe.com. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.